Uh, my name is Miguel. Love being a part of as much as I can of this church and uh, in this community. And let me just say this. Um, if I haven't said it already, happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's Day. If, did you know it was Valentine's? Okay, it's Sunday. So it's kind of a strange Valentine's Day. Uh, uh, let's, so let me just say this. If you forgot, if you forgot it was Valentine's and you've been in a relationship up until now, you might not be anymore. But there's a prayer team that meets under the bleachers after service, okay? Just want to encourage you, maybe, to go there, okay? Um, but uh, listen, I, I got to be honest, I'm talking about forgetting. Um, I am forgetful, okay? I'm just going to confess it now. I am forgetful. Uh, if my wife is watching online, I, see, I can admit it. See, I'm forgetful. Um, I forget things all the time. Things like, um, man, I'm really bad about this. I forget names. I forget names, okay? I'm really good with faces, but I forget people's names. And I'm a pastor and I'm like, oh man, what if I forget your name? They're gonna think I'm like really, really bad pastoring, you know? And, and so like I'll meet someone one week and then the following week I'll see them again and I'll remember like the whole story and the details that they shared about their life, but I cannot remember their name sometimes. And so I'm just like, hey, you, buddy old pal, get over here, brother. You know, like, you know, I, I don't know. I just forget their names. Um, there are, yeah, if I ever say, hey, you, you're like, oh, poor Miguel. Um, there's times too, like, I'll forget, um, maybe you're like me, I forget passwords. Does anyone know, like, does, do you feel my pain here? Okay, I forget passwords on my devices all the time. It feels like a lot, like, more recently I forget passwords. Because, like, we live in a day where there's, like, finger IDs and face IDs. And, and so I don't feel the need to remember passwords, ever. And, and until there's that time where I've got to, like, update my password. Or there's a data breach, which I never understand. And then I'm like, okay, let me, let me try this. And I have to remember the, the password. And I'm like, I have no idea. But praise the Lord, there's this little button that says forgot password. <laughs> Click. And sometimes it'll take me down this road of like, and then it's like there's these security questions. You know what I'm saying? That apparently I selected like five years ago when I created the account. And now I'm going like, and it's the most, it's the most random questions, okay? So then I'm, it's like I'm being asked, okay, uh, what was, the, you know, the name of your best friend's dog in first grade? And I'm like, well, gosh, create new account, right? You know, so <laughs> I, guess I just forget. You know, people, we are just prone to forget. We forget things sometimes, and it's okay. You know, we give each other grace, and, and, and we understand that, but you know, why is it that we forget so easily sometimes? And I get it. Hey, we're people, we're human. We make mistakes. We forget things. But, but there are situations, there are things in life that can actually cause us or, or threaten this a little bit more and cause us to forget a little bit more easily. All right. All right. Things like this, like things like fear, fear. When we are really fearful about something, uh, you know, fearful about what may or may not happen, fear can easily drive out our faith and we forget our faith in Christ. Trials, when we're going through a really hard time, trials can shout so loud. You know, it's so loud, the trial and the situation that it shouts over the promises of God and we, we forget his word when we're going through a difficult time and all that he promises. Or how, how about this one? Um, we forget so easily when we get offended. <laughs> 
Like, no joke, like when we like, uh, uh, you know, we were like, yeah, you know, love people and I'm going to be kind today. And then someone offends us and we're like the whole, the whole like, you know, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Like you immediately forget that. You're just going, no, I don't even remember that. Pastor never talked about that. I'm offended. I have rights, you know. So when we get offended, we just, man, we forget. Or, or, or this one's probably more common in, in our culture. Uh, we forget when we get busy. You know, it's probably the most common response I get. Hey, how you doing? Busy. And I was like, <laughs> it's like, we're proud of it. Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. I got like 10 jobs. You know, I'm just busy. Um, cool. But when we're busy, we forget because we're just moving so fast. And when we're busy, even the smallest things, we can forget. And, 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 and being busy, listen, it could be good sometimes, but a lot of the times, busy just stands for buried under Satan's yoke. Because if he can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. Okay, he'll make us busy and we will just forget the things of God. Let me just read a quick little a passage for you. It's not on the screen. It's a little Bible bonus for you. This, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verses 11 through 14. Listen to this. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and your stocks increase, and you get your stimulus check, okay? No, emphasis added, okay? You get, okay, all right. Um, and, and all you have is multiplied, then your hearts become proud and you, will for, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So being busy can just, man, we, we forget things sometimes. And sometimes it's things that are the most important. I remember growing up in a, in a church and as a kid, I remember seeing at this front of the room, uh, right under the pulpit. What's a pulpit? I don't know. It, but it's like this. It's just like big wood. You know, it's crafted by the men in the church or something. But it was big. It was the, they called it a pulpit. And, 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 uh, and right below that, there was this table. And on the table, there was inscribed this phrase, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Has anyone received that phrase before? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I remember as a kid looking at it going, what am I supposed to remember? And what is this? You know, I just, I just see it everywhere. And since then, I've seen it in some form or fashion in churches, like in archways or it's inscribed somewhere here or there, you know, and I see it all over the place. And I think to myself, you know, why does this phrase have such a prominent position in our faith and in, in the church. You know, uh, certainly I, I go, okay, well, yes, Jesus said it. So there's that reason. But there are several places in the Bible where we are instructed to remember. We're encouraged not to forget the things of God. But it seems like this command of Jesus stands out from the rest making it a priority for you and for me to really pay attention to and really abide by. So today we are in part two of our two-part series called Priority. And today we are going to take communion together. We're going to take communion together because uh, communion is a priority for you and, and for me. So today I want to explain what communion is but also what it is about communion that you and I must 
remember. Okay, must remember. So if you have your Bibles, you got your devices, turn them on. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's writing this. And here's what he says. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this. There's priority language right there. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, Quick little history lesson. If you've never been in church before, if you've never read the Bible before, you have no kind of Christian or faith, you know, understanding. You have no idea what this whole like washed in the blood. You're like, that sounds gross. You're, oh, what does that mean? You know, it's scary. You know, all that. I could see that if you've never been in church before, you don't understand what's going on. That could sound kind of strange to you. So let me explain what this is, what, what this communion is or what's called Passover, okay? Back in the Old Testament, okay? Long time ago, galaxy, far, far away kind of thing. All the way back in the Old Testament, there's this guy named Moses, okay? He's a pretty prominent figure in the Bible because there's movies made about him, Prince of Egypt and, and some others and like, like all kinds of fun, fun movies that come out about Moses. And Moses is used by God. He goes to this guy named Pharaoh. He's like the big top dog in that day, the king kind of, kind of status. And he goes, hey, let my people go. You know, let my people go. I don't know. Whenever I think of Moses, I think of like a really deep baritone, you know, like a let my people go, you know, base. I don't know. That's just Moses to me. Okay. Just leave, leave me alone. Don't ruin my image of Moses. Okay. So Moses, he goes to Pharaoh and, and God uses him through like all these plagues and all these like wonderful miracles that happen uh, to, to just deliver his people to say, hey, let my people go from Egyptian bondage. So the last plague is the angel of death, the death angel. All the babies, were, uh, the firstborn were going to be killed. And so God tells his people, sacrifice the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost. And when the death angel comes, it will pass over your home if the blood is there. And that's where we get this idea of Passover. And every year since then, the Jewish people will come together to have this Passover meal or what's also called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this is a massive, sacred meal. And it's, 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 everything has symbolism to it. I mean, the, there was these bitter herbs on the table and the bitter herbs represented the bitter slavery and bondage that the people were in. And, and the salt water represented the tears of all that they went through. I mean, uh, there, there was these four cups. It wasn't just one cup. We didn't think of that. There's all these four, these four cups and everything had a symbol and a meaning. It was this, this massive event of what the people did when they... We're eating this meal. So now we're here back in this, in this passage of scripture. So Jesus, he's meeting with his disciples and he says, do this in remembrance of me. What does that word, word remember mean? Real quick, okay. When you think of this word remember, don't think of it as just in memory of. Like, oh, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It's, it's not like that. In, in Greek, it's, it's the word uh, omnesis. Amnesis, can you say that? Amnesis, 
omnesis. So it's this word that's very, has a very deep meaning to it. It's not just in memory of. The, the better definition of this word remembrance is an affectionate recalling of the person himself to mind. So we are recalling a very real experience that you and I have had with Jesus so much so that we feel it. Think, think of it as um, just like when you and I sin and sometimes it can overwhelm us so much so that it affects us with guilt and you can see it all over our emotions and our bodies and, and how we carry ourselves. We're just broken, right? In the same way, we can recall or remembrance the things of God and what Jesus has done in our life so much so that it affects us. It makes us grateful and joyful. And you're going, Miguel, man, you are just excited today. I'm like, it's because I remember. I remember Jesus, right? In this moment, I'm remembering what he's done. That's where it's coming from. That's what that word remembrance means. It is a very deep reminiscence of it. It's one thing to just remember the date of your anniversary. You know, like, okay, I remember that day. Cool, got it on the calendar. It's a whole other thing to mentally, emotionally walk through and remember where I was, what I was wearing, what I felt when she walked down the aisle and I started crying like a baby. Like, I just, I remember. And it, it, all of a sudden, it brings you to a place where you can feel it. You're walking down that reminiscence, that memory lane. That's what it means to remember. That's what this word means. Now, this, this, the practice of commun the communion is done in community. Okay, uh, Like what, what, what we're going to do today as a church, during a church service. You can do it at home with your family. You can do it in a small group. However, even though the practice of it is done in community, there are things that we can learn as individuals that we can practice as individuals in our life. And as we remember what Jesus has done in our life and what we've experienced walking with him, this, this, this amnesis, these are some things that communion actually teaches you and me to remember. Communion encouraged me to, to, to remember that we cannot save ourselves. I can't be more clear. We cannot save ourselves. We need a savior. We cannot do this on our own. And let me just, that, that might have offended you. I don't, I don't mean to, but, but in our culture today, there is what I call a try harder theology. When we fail, try harder. When we sin, try harder next time. When we don't meet our goals, try harder. When we don't meet our New Year's resolution, try harder. Everything's just try harder, try harder, try harder. And I'm not against working hard. That's a good thing. But in the life of the believer, when you're walking through this life, this, this Christ life, it is not about trying. Listen, it's about dying. It's about trusting. So here's the invitation. The invitation is God is inviting you and me to come and die. Jesus actually gives a very graphic illustration with this in the Gospels. He actually says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to take up your cross. 
to a first century like crowd, the crucifix, that was serious death. I mean, an instrument of torture and capital punishment. If you're going to follow me, you're going to take up your cross and follow me. You're going to come and, and die. Die to what? We're going to die to trying. Trying to do it on our own. Trying to, trying to save ourselves. Trying to find salvation in someone else or somewhere else. Trying to fill our life with other things. See, we need to stop trying and we need to start dying for whoever will lose their life will gain. For aside from God, we can do nothing. Why? Because we need a savior. We need Jesus. You see, the, the Christian life isn't just hard or difficult. It's impossible. You can't do it. You and I can't do it on our own. But with God, all things are possible. There's only one guy who pulled it off and they named it after him. <laughs> Jesus. And so I get, I get that that's a hard reality. It's very humbling for us to hear something like we can't do it on our own. Especially if you're super independent, you're an entrepreneur, you're firstborn, you're the only child. Like I get it, like I get that whole situation. You just go, but I can do it, Miguel. But God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And as humbling as that is for you and me to realize, it is imperative for us to remember. So communion says, you can't do this on your own. You need Jesus. You need a savior. But communion also encourages us to remember that Jesus delivered us from sin. Delivered us from sin. Listen, I, I talk to so many people on a regular basis that will come to me. They've given their, their life to Jesus. They put their faith and trust in Jesus. And they come to me and go, Miguel, but I sinned so bad last night. I don't know what I could do. I don't think Jesus could save me for that one. I mean, that was bad. Friday night was a bad night. Oh my goodness. There's no, God does not have enough love for me, Miguel. Like, and now you might not say all those words out loud, but that's how we're living. Like, oh my goodness. Oh, oh, right? And we're just in this guilt and shame lifestyle because we have forgotten that God has delivered us. Jesus, the person of Jesus, delivered us from sin. And, and, and Dan, just watch the message from last week. Pastor Dan said it so well. He said, you no longer are in a relationship with sin. That's what that means. We're not in a relationship with them. We broke up with that old ex, like over text message. Like you don't have to answer their call anymore, right? We're not in a relationship with sin. So stop answering their messages and their phone calls. Move on. You're in a relationship with Jesus now, right? He's delivered you from that. So communion teaches and encourages us, man, we can't do this on our own. We need a savior. Also, Jesus delivered us from sin, but communion also encourages and teaches us to remember to love one another. To love one another. I know that sounds like the most simplest idea, but it has such profound meaning, especially in our world today. We need to love one another. And when I look at the disciples, listen, the disciples could not have been a more diverse group. Okay, from, from uneducated fishermen to a tax collector to, to a betrayer. 
they were a drama fest of a small group. You know what's incredible is in today's world, the church, you know what we try to do? It's like people want to sign up for a small group, but it has to be like, it's like e-harmony. It's like we have to be compatible, you know, or it's not a great small group. So we're like, man, you, we have to have the same like music genre, like it has to be the same. We have to have the same like lifestyle and the same style and the, and the same, same theology and the same political views. And the same, like everything has to be the same. And if it's not, then I'm out. Like, don't even get me started. Well, here's this like very diverse group, nonstop arguing, debating, and probably try to kill each other at some point. And then Jesus comes into the scene and goes, I want to lead that small group right there. And I can't wait till we have this really special meal together. And I bring this up. One of you is going to betray me. Like, you know, like this is how diverse this group was. There's an old old song uh, Growing up in church, I, I remember at some point we sang it, but it's the song, of, uh, when we all see Jesus, uh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. You guys know that song? Okay, I'm not just crazy, right? Okay, cool. Um, we sing that song, and when we think about like, okay, when we all, who is all? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every race, will sing and stand before the throne, shouts of victory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But lean into this real carefully. Everyone look this way. If you're watching online, turn up the volume. It's imperative you understand this. You and I cannot stand around the throne if we are not willing to sit around the table. Do we understand this? We can't worship together around the throne if we're not even willing to sit around the table with the person on the right and the person on the left. Emphasis on right and left. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to go there. But you see what I'm saying? If someone finally got it. Someone got it. Because here's the reality of loving one another in a world that is so divided. Communion is teaching us and Jesus is prioritizing this in our life to be remembered that a divided world needs a united church. A divided world needs, has to have a united church. This is the hope of the world. This is what we're talking about. Even the Lord's Prayer, the instruction on how to pray, Jesus opens up with a very, very beautiful first word, our Father. Ours, all Father. As a parent, as a dad, it means so much to me. I care a lot about how my kids treat one another. How much more Does our heavenly father care how you and I treat each other and have been treating each other all over the the smorgasbord of social media? Love one another. This is what this communion is saying. So we need to remember, we can't do this on our own, that Jesus delivered us from sin, that we need to love one another, but also And maybe the most profound idea is is this, that communion encourages us to remember 
how much God loves me. How much God loves me. You know what's interesting about this whole passage of communion, this Passover passage, is, 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 is that Jesus made it a point to bring up betrayal at one of the most sacred meals of the year, maybe ever. I mean, it, the prophecy already said that it would happen. If you're Jesus, why not just let it play out? Why bring it up at the table in this sacred moment? Community is at its utmost highest, right? It's, just, it's so critical, so important. Why even bring it up? And we tend to look at Judas, whether you've been in church or not, as with like judgmental eyes. Judas, oh, that Judas. Don't be such a Judas. He's a betrayer, right? This is how we do it. And certainly what he did was wrong, was bad. But the more I read this story, the more I understand the gospel here and what communion is teaching you and me, I believe that I can relate more to Judas than possibly any other disciple. Someone who has hurt Jesus and wronged Jesus and even betrayed Jesus at times. How many times have you and I betrayed Jesus right before we came to church? Maybe the tone we had with our family or with our kids. Man, pff, guilty, right? How many times have we betrayed Jesus or even have plans to betray Jesus later today, later this week? But you're going, oh, Miguel, but <laughs> I've never traded Jesus for money. Really? You've, you've never traded, traded Jesus for monetary things, for selfish ambition and desires. You've never traded grace for greed. You've never forgotten Jesus because you're so consumed with the things that this world is going to give you and will give you and will constantly promise you, but it'll never happen, right? I think we can relate to Judas so much people who have wronged Jesus, wronged God. But then this is profound. I continue to read and continue to pray and I realize something that the person, Judas, the person who hurt Jesus, wronged Jesus and betrayed Jesus, listen, was sitting at the table with Jesus. He still had a seat. Does anyone get this? Like he still had a seat at the table. Jesus didn't go, stop, can't come in. I already know what you're gonna do. Go ahead and live your life now, brother. You're out of the group, out of the small group, sorry. Okay? He knew, Jesus knew what, what, what Judas had just done, the deal he just made. And he knew what Judas was gonna do later and the crafty uh, uh, planning of, of I'm gonna kiss him, I'm gonna betray him with a kiss and it's gonna be, uh, Jesus knew all of that and he still loved Judas. So no matter who, who you are, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, you've got to get and remember this, God loves you, period. He loves you. And I understand because so many of us, maybe value was not placed on us as a child. 
So we grow up without having that placed on us. And as we grow up as adults, we start seeking value in other people and in other things. But you and I have to get this, that you know you don't have to post it to prove it. You have value that is already placed on you. His name is Jesus. It was shown and displayed on the cross. God loves you and me. And he doesn't stop loving. He doesn't grow tired of loving. He's not like an earthly father that just, there are days he's patient and there are days he's not patient. There are days he drinks coffee and he's good and other days he's not. Like it's not, has nothing to do with any of those things. God is love. And regardless of what you've done, he loves you anyways. It's not about performance. No, no, no. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we can't forget this. The reason why we go down these dark roads is because we have forgotten these things. Our lives are shaped by by those who love us, but also by those who refuse to love us. And this entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, this entire Bible is God's greatest love story ever told. This is God's love affair with the human race, with people and all the planets and all the stars and galaxies and and the multitudes of angels that sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And all of creation stand in awe of the love that God lavishes on you and me on this little planet called earth. And they're going, whoa, God loves them so much. And he knows that there are going to be times, man, we doubt and we question and we might even forget. So God comes down and he says, I'm so excited for this dinner. Listen, listen, this meal we're going to have together, you need to do this in remembrance because you're going to forget it. You need to do this in remembrance that we may never forget Because in spite of our rebellion and our disobedience and and, and all the things that we do wrong, in spite of the fact that we are going to betray him sometimes, he loves us. God's love, he knows no bounds, no borders. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less. He loves you completely just as you are. Do you get this, church? Do you understand this? You can't keep going back to that place where you said, but there was that time he, God goes, no, I've covered it in my blood. And so when the times come where we forget and we doubt, we just need to look to the cross. Look to the cross because that's the communion message is what he did and what he displayed And as the the old song goes, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son and make a wretch his treasure.